Daily deep dive into everything Utah Jazz. It's time! All season long and even in the offseason, it's Jazz Daily with JJ and Alex on your exclusive home of Utah Jazz basketball. 97.5, the KSL Sports Zone. Ba, 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 basketball, gimme, give gimme, give gimme give the ball because I'm gonna dunk it! Ba, 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 basketball, gimme, give gimme, give gimme give the Time Saturday Night Live skits with a sports theme. Where does basketball rock rank? It's got to be probably top three. Oh, I think so. Yeah. 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 Peyton Manning. Uh, <laughs> That's an all-time. Playing flag football with kids. <laughs> way up there, too. Uh, we've got uh, something Saturday Night Live did this weekend. It's, uh, it's an all-timer, so stick around <laughs> for that. If you missed it, we've got the audio. It's very funny. So we'll get to that here soon, but... Uh, the item at hand right now is the Utah Jazz. They get the win on Sunday night. A Sunday night home game. We're getting used to the Sunday night home games. They have four this season. So um, that was the second. They played the Bucks earlier on a Sunday at home. So that's something new for you Jazz fans. And let me tell you, Jazz fans showed up on a Sunday night. This, this myth that Jazz fans wouldn't fill the building on Sundays, it is exactly that. It is a myth. Uh, great atmosphere last night, and of course, why wouldn't there be Victor Wembanyama in town to face the Utah Jazz? The Jazz get a win over the Spurs, and it is time for our Jazz Daily, um, and that's what we're going to start the show uh, this hour with. But first, call us now to give us the Rocky Mountain Chevy Dealers Play of the Week. We ready for this, Jeremy? Yes, we are. Okay, here we go. Call us now to give us the Rocky Mountain Chevy Dealers Play of the Week. We gave it out this morning on DJ and PK. Be caller 12 now at 801-575-9663. That's 801-575-9663. Tell us the play to be our winner. With an impressive lineup of cars, trucks, and SUVs, it's no wonder that people are switching to Chevy. Rocky Mountain Chevy dealers. Show obviously always brought to you by G2G Bars and Trajan Wealth, your local financial fiduciary. Go to TrajanWealth.com and learn more about them. But it is time for the Jazz Daily, and it is the cut. It's time for the biggest story of the day. This is what made the cut with JJ and Alex on 97.5 The KSL Sports Zone. The Utah Jazz get a win over the San Antonio Spurs last night. Took care of business at home. Again, they should win. The Spurs, a team with 11 wins this season. Jazz win 128 to 109. Jazz now 27 and 31 on the season. Uh, a lot of things to discuss in this game. Uh, Larry Markinen, back to his old form. Played really well. Shot the ball really well. He'd been struggling from three recently, but not last night. Five of eight from three. Ten of 18 from the field. 26 points to lead the Jazz they also got Jordan Clarkson firing on all cylinders. Four of eight from three, 22 points. That was good to see. And uh, Colin Sexton continues to play really well. 16 points, 10 assists, four steals. Four steals by Colin Sexton. I love Colin Sexton. I love what he's doing. I think Colin Sexton is an important part of this franchise moving forward. But, Mitch, it's all about the young guys, right? 
And before we get to that, I think we have to talk about the elephant in the room. It wasn't about the Jazz last night. It was about Victor Wembanyama. Uh, a lot of hype. Probably the most hyped player in the draft since LeBron James. Would you agree? I agree. Absolutely. I mean, that, that's he was a name we've been hearing about since he was, what, 15? I mean, he, he's just been the name that's been yeah. – uh, you know, as viewed as the number one guy. So his size and combination of athleticism and skill at that height is just kind of so unique. And then I think everyone, any market he goes to, they're just fascinated to see it up and close in person. I mean, just seeing that video on our KSL Sports IG stories yesterday, seeing him put up a shot on at court level and just go, you just marvel at the size yeah. and the length of that guy. And that's on a that's on a screen. I can only imagine just in person what that looked like because that's just just a, such a unique body type seeing Wembenyama roll in. There were a lot of plays that he made last night that just left you going, oh my goodness, <laughs> yeah. this guy is unbelievable. We've never seen anything like him to be able to move like he can at his size and his length. The athleticism that he possesses at that size and that length is unprecedented. There was a play where he blocked Lowry and shot. Now, Lowry Markkinen is a seven-footer. And he made Lowry Markkinen look like a six-four point guard. Yeah, he just swallowed him up, and that was at that point because I've stood next to Lowry Markkinen in awe. I mean, if you have stood next to Lowry Markkinen in person, he is like one percent of one percent on the planet Earth. Like he's just a special physical specimen. And Victor Wembanyama made him look small. It was unbelievable. But I look at Victor Wembanyama's potential, and there's a lot there. Yet, Mitch, this team is 11-47. and 47. That's a bad basketball team. And before I get to the Jazz youngsters, I wanted to pose this question to you. There's a lot of young teams in the league right now. The Jazz are among a group of teams in the NBA whose average age is 24 years of age. And the Spurs are among them, and so are the Oklahoma City Thunder. There are some really good young teams in this league that you look at, and okay, where do the Jazz match up? Because if you talk about... And you always hear this um, on being a, on a schedule or, you know, time frame, you know, with roster building. You don't want to put some 33-year-old high-priced veterans with a bunch of 20-year-old players, right? Yeah. You want to have guys on the, ta- on the same time frame. And so you, the Jazz look around and they're thinking, okay, what teams in the league are on the same time frame? We are, well, the Thunder and the Spurs are among those teams. Are the Jazz, where do they stand in that group? Because I think that's important to note, because if this team's going to compete moving forward, they're going to have to beat the Thunder. They're going to have to beat the Spurs. Feels to me like they're at least behind the Thunder. We know that for sure. The Spurs are a different story. What's What do they need to do, How and how do they build around Wimbanyama? I, I, oh, go ahead. Oh, there's just a lot of questions. I'm, I guess I'm throwing around a lot of questions here because I do have a lot of thoughts and questions about this because... The Spurs are interesting because they got this generational talent in Victor Wembanyama, but they don't have a lot around him right now. And, and how do they build around him? Yeah, I I feel like they are so much farther behind than I was expecting uh, with year one of Wembanyama because when you bring up that he's and I agree the biggest draft prospect since LeBron, I thought instantly he's going to make a weak Spurs roster about a 35, 40 win team. Mm-hmm. That. that when you're talking about a generational guy, that's what LeBron did for the Cavs yeah. when he stepped in. I think there were, what, 37, 38 wins in year one. Spurs aren't competitive. I I, I think the Jazz are way farther ahead in uh, being a, in a rebuild than the Spurs right now. I mean, Sohan is a guy is a nice piece, 
But outside of that, I, I'm not really in love with that roster than anything the Spurs have. I feel like there's a lot more needed uh, to pair up with Wem and Yama. And because I just thought that he could be good enough uh, to be a guy that could just carry them uh, to, you know, 30-something wins in year one. Maybe that was too much for a young player that uh, they're going to be delicate with everything about him, and it's a different era of the NBA than what it was when LeBron stepped in in 03. But I, I feel a lot better about the Jazz a rebuild, you know, then farther ahead than what the, the Spurs are at. And, and last night, too, you know, looking at one of the veteran guys, I liked what I saw from Clarkson, you know, coming off the bench, giving 10 assists. And I thought the passing last night from the Jazz was was quite quite entertaining to watch. I mean, a lot of assists being dished out by the Jazz. So I just think that this Jazz franchise, uh, you want to see more from these young guys, but I feel like they're farther ahead in the, in the rebuild than the Spurs, who are still a ways away compared to having a generational prospect like Wembenyama. I wonder, it's going to be an interesting rookie of the year vote because Wembenyama is a freak of nature and he yeah. has been good and his numbers are good too, but 11 wins. Yeah. Like you need you to have that. more of an impact in the win column. Whereas you look at the Thunder now, look, Shea Gildas Alexander is an MVP candidate. So Chet Holmgren's playing with an MVP. Yeah. Okay. So no it's a little different situation. And Jalen Williams with the Thunder is crazy good. And Chet, too, is year two. Like you, you, like I know he's yeah. out last year, but still around an exactly. NBA franchise, kind of an ethos of, of the NBA. But that's where the rookie – he's in the rookie of the year conversation, so that's what he's up we against. We know that all too well in this market. Yes, we do. Yes, deal. we do. So is <laughs> is Chet going to win the rookie of the year over Wimbanyama? I think so. I think so because wins do matter. Wins do matter, and then that's ultimately, I think, the the trump card in that. And and Wembyama Yama is just uh, skilled and talented enough to where he just he shows up and he just wows you. Like he's just kind of like that wow guy. But even Holmgren, to a lesser degree, is kind of a wow guy. I mean, I remember watching him in college and just the swarm of NBA executives and scouts that funneled into Provo to see that guy uh, compete. I mean, it was a big deal back then, and he's lived up to it in his first full season in the league coming back from injury. And I think that might be even more impressive when you do come back from injury and you're still playing at a high level and contributing to a team that's really dang good with an MVPP. So I would go with Holmgren because I do think you got to be part of a team that's winning. It's You can't just give it to a guy that's – Going through, I mean, they're not going to get to 15 wins, like at best 15, right? Right. Spurs, I, mean, I mean, they're going to struggle to get to 20. There's no doubt about that. Like, there's, there's only 20. They got 11 and 47 doing the math here really 24. quickly. They got 24 games left. They'd have to get to, they'd have to split those almost to get to 20, right? That's not going to happen. No. They'll win four or five more games this season probably, which is nuts. Uh, but still, Wembenyama, 22 points, 10 rebounds, five blocks last night in just 27 minutes of play, nine of 17 from the field. Even hit a three. He's just doing things that players just don't do. I mean, because of his size and his athleticism, it's we've just never seen anything like him before. So watching him, it was awesome to actually see it uh, in person to see how good he is. He's going to be special. The question is just going to be, can the Spurs build a roster around him that's going to allow them to take advantage of what they have there? Well, I think also, too, my expectations in year one were – Maybe a little bit too high because they just always believe the Spurs are just a quick rebuild away. Like they're 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 never going to be in the doldrums. They've forever. always been good. And just to, to when you get a guy like Wembenyam, it's like all right, they're back. They're going to be at least 35, 40 wins. And so for them to go eleven wins is surprising, but they are just one big piece away. 
and they're back in contention because how good Wembenyama is and will be to be year two or year one, already getting you know twenty two points a game. But uh, you'd feel like you just there'd be a greater impact and, and more game winning moments and carrying the team to more victories. Like that just makes you pause a bit, and maybe he just needs another superstar piece like so many superstars need and once they get that then away they go and they're going to be uh you know I think that they are ahead of the jazz in the fact that they've got the elite superstar uh you yeah. know or like the jazz don't have that but I just I also like the trajectory of the jazz rebuild uh again because I feel like you know year one skewed the view of what this rebuild is going to be. I always looked at it as like a five-year deal that's going to take time, and I still think at year two of this build, uh, I think the Jazz are still in a pretty good spot long-term to really build this thing back, but the, the fact that the Spurs already have got a, a superstar, and once they get another one, and then it's they're back in title contention, and that's maybe just what they need right now to, to get another piece around him. I got a hot take for you on the Spurs. What's that? They need a new head coach. They need to make a change at head coach. And they're not going to because it's Greg Popovich and he's a Hall of Famer and he's one of the all-time greats. Many would say he's the greatest NBA coach of all time. But there's clearly some staleness there. And they got him a long-term extension on him. And I'm just not sure he's got the fire and the energy that you need right now. Like, you look at around the league. Will Hardy, that, those are the kind of coaches, Mark Dagnall in with the uh, Thunder. You look around the league and there's some really good young coaches in this league. Uh, Ty Lue's still relatively young. Um you, you look at uh, just there's young coaches all over the league for the most part that are having success. And I think the Spurs need an infusion of youth in that coaching position. Pop's one of the all-time greats. He's going to go out on his own terms because he's earned that. And the Spurs are going to give him that, but they shouldn't, to be honest. Yeah. I think a new coach would help accelerate their plan. That's me. I like that because I think that would be – because that voice can sometimes get uh, – you know, it might fall flat with this new generation of, of – players and i mean what he's been coaching there since 96 97 yes. when the days of david robinson sean elliott uh, i mean that it's been a minute yeah. it's like that's been a long time of with with popovich on the bench so i i'm not opposed to that at all i think that would be a wise move to go in that new direction i think that's one of the reasons I, i'm optimistic about the jazz long term is because of will hardy and how He's not satisfied with you know, these moments where they get a few wins and people are like, oh, all right, they're going to maybe make the playoffs this year. It's like, no, he's like calling it out and and he's he's willing to uh, – he, he understands that this is something where they got to continue to get better every single night. They're nowhere near that. And, you know, I, I think Popovich being moved would would be a move that could maybe help the the Spurs get the most – maybe get more out of Victor Wembanyama in years to come. Absolutely. I just think you have a young team, you need to have a young coach, allow them to grow together, just like he did with Tim yeah. Duncan and David Robinson during those years, and, of course, Ginobili and Tony Parker after that. All right, real quick, we'll wrap up this Jags segment. I just want to hit some of the young players. Taylor Hendricks, nine points, three rebounds, but where his impact was really felt was defensively, had a block. He actually guarded Wembenyaman really well. Did a nice and job. I'm watching that game, and I'm thinking, wow, the Jazz got something here because Hendricks has defensive potential. And we're going to pick apart Taylor Hendricks like crazy over the next 24 games because – that's the focus right now is these young players. And even Bryce Sensabaugh, who we're going to pick apart, played 16 minutes last night, hit a three, five points. Uh, I'm liking some things from him. Keontae George, three of 13 from the field, one of four from three. He really cooled off, but he actually played the game really well. It's just seven points, but six assists. Got the team where they needed to be. Six assists to three turnovers. I'll live with that. That's pretty darn good. 
uh, at the NBA level. Uh, so Keontae, I think, is doing fine. He didn't have the 33-point uh, game that he had uh, last week, but I think these young players are coming along, and there's some good things going with those guys. Uh, and that's how you have to look at the Jazz right now. And then you know the veterans showed up on uh, on and John Collins. Let's give John Collins some love. Uh, Twenty points, eight rebounds, two steals, two blocks. He had a nice game. He was also dealing with the length of Wembenyama, but he played good as well. Yeah, these last twenty four games, I think you make a good point that you just you want to see you know get that heading into the summer, whatever it ends up shaking out down the stretch. because you got the the Hawks tomorrow night, Quinn Snyder game. Uh, you want to see just these young guys continue to get better every single night and get some momentum heading into the offseason to when whatever trade options become available and you know these free agent targets or whatever it may be, the way you acquire your roster next year, you want these guys to be like, okay, I'm going into a franchise with this dude. Like we can do something yeah. pretty great, and that's that's you know that, that's what's exciting too. Sometimes these rebuilds can be taxing on fans because you're like do we really want to win like what do we, what do we want out of this game but you just want these youngsters to continue to get better and show you the flashes that say okay when these additional pieces come into the mix and they will eventually whenever it happens uh these guys are going to be primed and ready to you know when that acquisition happens to go get into the upper tier of this western conference in the future Jazz in the five-game losing streak. Now head out on a three-game road trip starting tomorrow night against the Atlanta Hawks. First time the Jazz are facing Quinn Snyder as the head coach. Trey Young's out. He will not play. Also Orlando and Miami on that southeastern road trip. You can hear all those games right here on 97.5, the KSL Sports Zone. we got to take a break. The NFL Blitz is next. JJ and Alex, 97.5, the KSL Sports Zone. All the latest news and notes from the league and the locals in the NFL. JJ and Alex bring you the NFL Blitz on 97.5, the KSL Sports Zone. Welcome back. 97.5, the KSL Sports Zone. JJ and Alex, another segment with the great Mitch Harper. Mitch has been fun today. And it's awesome that I get to do a segment with you with the NFL Blitz. I'm excited. We both love the NFL. Yes, we do. We spend a lot of time in college because that's our jobs here in this market, but we love the NFL as fans. So this is a point in the show where you get to make fun of me because I'm a Broncos fan. (laughs) Well, I'm a Raiders fan, so you you got a lot to poke at with me, too. Which of us gets beat up more right now? (laughs) I'm going with me because of Russell Wilson. It's been a rough uh, couple years with Russell Wilson at the Broncos, and it has not gone as anyone expected, and the Broncos basically uh, mortgaged the franchise to pick him up, and it's been a disaster. So, apparently, Russell Wilson thinks he's got two more Super Bowls in him, Mitch. Your reaction? <laughs> well, it's it's that. It's it's a laughing reaction. It's a laugh <laughs> ride. No, I mean, I think that, you know, this has been kind of a, you know, when he got traded to Denver, I thought, man, that's going to be the perfect you know, pairing, and he's going to lead Denver to two more Super Bowls, and it's going to be another great tenure with a you know a, a legendary quarterback going into his twilight of his career in Denver. But it's just completely been the opposite. And look, I think it's a quarterback that's you know going to stay positive, just like a shooter is going to say, "I'm going to make the next shot." But uh, it just hasn't worked, and I feel like Russell Wilson has been you know really one of the you know bottom ten quarterbacks in the NFL the past two years. And I think he's just trying to, you know, kind of get the narrative out there that he still got it. But, I mean, if I'm Denver, I'm, I'm looking for the next big thing in the draft coming up in April and get that quarterback because Russell Wilson just isn't it. He says he wants to win two more Super Bowls. That makes me laugh. He says he hopes it's in Denver. That makes me want to cry. <laughs> it, I'm, 
in all seriousness, yes, when he was in his prime, Russell Wilson was great. His prime's not there anymore, and it's often hard. We talked about Cam Newton earlier in the show. You see guys that are at their peak, at their greatest, almost reach a Hall of Fame-type level. Russell Wilson was there. He's not that quarterback anymore, and there seems to be a little bit of delusion with that, and I think that's impacting his thinking and his performance. There needs to be some humility there, in my opinion, and Sean Payton really didn't get that humility out of him, in my opinion. And so I think he needs to move on. I think it'd be best for the Broncos. I think it'd be best for him. In all seriousness, I don't want to sit here and beat up on Russell Wilson. He's had a great career, and he might have something in him. Yeah. I just don't think he's going to find it in Denver, especially with the disappointment of the last few years. Perhaps it's with the Steelers. Maybe they want to give him a shot. We've heard those rumors. But it's not in Denver. I think he needs to move on. I think the Broncos need to move on. Hopefully he can find that. But um, like, like you, I get that he thinks he can win two Super Bowls. Every great athlete thinks they can do great things. Patrick Mahomes is in his division right now, so it's not going to happen. And there were games last year that Wilson did give you glimmers of hope, unlike two years ago where it was just every week was just a where, where Russell Wilson just a shell of himself, and maybe right. he just chalked it up to the private coaching with Jay Keeps. I, I don't know, but <laughs> that that was I mean that was probably his biggest blunder. You found Russell a way Wilson. To pull BYU I, into I this. had to pull that in, but last year at least there were moments where Russell Wilson looked like his you know Seattle self yes. and I think that's where there, there's glimmers to build on but it just was so inconsistent when you're like you said when you're in the AFC West with Patrick Mahomes you have to have at a minimum a top five quarterback to win the division yeah. I mean to even contend for the division because Mahomes isn't going anywhere anytime soon I mean Mahomes is going to be the guy with how the rules are for quarterbacks he's going to be in the league probably until he's 40 I mean it, it, he's someone that can he's going to evolve and he's going to continue to be the face of that franchise forever for Kansas as long as he stays healthy so I think that's what kind of puts the pressure on Denver and really all the teams in that division to really improve that spot because Mahomes in a year where the Chiefs were as vulnerable as they were yeah. they still win it so I think it just kind of amplifies everyone's quarterback rooms going forward into this offseason yeah well Russell Wilson isn't what he used to be and neither is the running back position in the NFL Mitch imagine when you were younger believing that it would become where it is today where <laughs> yeah. it's just not valued it's yeah. one of the less valued positions in the NFL and NFL free agency is going to be interesting because the running back position Derek Henry who's one of the greats Josh Jacobs Austin Eckler, Tony Pollard, Saquon Barkley. These are big names. They didn't get franchise tag. They're going to be free agents. It's really interesting. Those are some big names, but are they going to get big money? Yeah, I, I don't think so. I mean, if, if Saquon Barkley last offseason was struggling and had the holdouts and Jonathan Smith or Jonathan Taylor, the, the, the struggles that they had in getting contracts, I can't imagine it's going to be anything different again for Barkley and, and these guys going into free agency. I, I just kind of wonder long-term what happens with the running back position. Do young athletes look to avoid that playing that position and you don't see uh, the productive stars? I mean, maybe there's always going to be someone that wants to take on the role to have a chance to play on the biggest stage, but just the clear, like, we don't value this position. We can just get some guy off the street and get, get us uh, enough carries to go win a ball game you just wonder like if who's going to want to take on that role do you see more of a change to to tight ends we're already seeing that a little bit and embracing wide receivers but uh just how that position has just been so devalued it's it's kind of one of the fascinating things in the nfl just how that position just is so out of sight and out of mind and no one gets drafted high anymore well you think about it these guys go in the league they last maybe five years because they get beat up and run down 
if you're that guy and you're that kind of an athlete, why don't you go play outside linebacker, yep. play in the league for 10-plus years, and make twice as much money? I mean, Fred Warner, for instance, look at his situation. I mean, would you want to be Fred Warner? Would you rather be Fred Warner in his situation right now? Or, say, Tyler Algier, who made the switch from linebacker to running back when he was in high school, in, in college at BYU. So it's it's weird how that's evolved and the game has evolved, but the running back position is no longer valued the way it used to be. All right, the NFL Draft Combine has taken, on, uh, taken place this week in Indianapolis. The big prospects will be there, but Caleb Williams, Jaden Daniels, not going to throw at the NFL scouting combine. Does it really matter? I think it it doesn't matter because it just seems like teams know for almost years in advance they're ready to anoint someone as the next big thing, and Caleb Williams has been anointed as that guy. Jaden Daniels, to me, is a little bit more surprising where I felt like there could have been some value there. Maybe I'm just not as... I know he was the Heisman winner, and he was really good last year at LSU. He was he was outstanding, but I still kind of have my questions and doubts on oh, him. Yeah. Caleb Williams, though, I think just the headaches that he comes with. It's it's like the guy is acting like the NFL's version of LeBron, and you haven't achieved anything yet in this league, trying to manipulate the, the moves. And I know we've seen guys in the past like Eli Manning say, I'm not going to play in San Diego. i got to go somewhere else. I, I get that. You want to be in the best spot possible to succeed, but... Uh, you know, Caleb Williams, you, you just led a USC team that has every resource known to man, and you were 7-5 and five in a complete afterthought in the Pac-12, and you're supposed to be this great brand, USC, and they just went nosedived, and you also have a loss to Tulane on your resume. So I, I just think that, you know, I, I still think Caleb Williams is going to be big time in the NFL, but... Daniels, to me, is where there's more puzzling questions. I think he could have, had he competed, maybe there could have been a case where he's going to push to get, you know, be that number one quarterback next to Caleb Williams. Yeah. You know what, though? It is an opportunity for somebody like J.J. McCarthy, whose stock is rising, who many question. You know, he's at Michigan. They ran the ball a lot. Very pro style. Can he go out there and sling the ball down the field? He's going to get a chance to prove that. He's going to throw at the combine. So he has a chance for his stock to rise. While I would like these guys to throw, I get why they don't, because yeah. Caleb Williams is locked in at number one. Drake May is probably number two. Jaden Daniels is number three. Why go there and do anything that would hurt that? When you can't improve, you can't get any higher than that. They're locked in, so I get why they're not doing it. Heck, coaches aren't even going to the combine anymore, <laughs> right? So what would he do? You almost wonder if these players even should have wasted their time playing college football last year. We saw years ago, you know, Jamar Chase didn't play in the COVID year, and he's one of the best, you know, he's one of the best receivers in college football. Penny Sewell did the same thing. It's like, it's almost becoming where, why even bother? Because in college football and then go to this combine, because for years we've just heard since Caleb Williams stepped into that Red River game against Texas, well, it's going to be the number one pick. And that's just what it's been. And nothing's been changed to derail that narrative. And that's what it is. And so these executives and scouts, they have that set in their mind. So, yeah, it is smart by that, those individual camps to to, to avoid competing yep. in the combine and to, to prevent any sort of fall. Because when you're that big of a prospect, every little thing will be analyzed to where a slight wrong foot angle. Like, I love the combine-isms. I love, like, the Mike Mayox. He's got the dancing bear technique. He's a phone booth brawler. Like, I love all that stuff injected in the veins, but I get it for these guys to not want yeah, to deal with it. Exactly. Now, the scouting combine might be a little overrated. Uh, we'll find out if Jim Harbaugh is overrated. Headed to the Chargers. We've talked a lot about the AFC West here, but it's a loaded division. And it gets even better with Jim Harbaugh in it, at least so we think. Well, Joey Bosa thinks so. Uh, Apparently had a great first impression with Jim Harbaugh, uh, and he expects that uh, Harbaugh will change the Chargers' fortune. 
Is he right or wrong? I think he's 100% right. I mean, Jim Harbaugh steps into a building, and it's like Tom Brady, where it's just an instant culture changer the moment he arrives. And that's what Harbaugh does, even when he's uh, at a place like San Diego Toreros, like before his days when he was in the NFL. This guy just wins everywhere, and it's unconventional. And his unconventional methods, I almost think, work better in the NFL, where it's just focused on schemes and not dealing with fundraising for NIL. He can just be that weirdo that's focusing on and on game plans, and that works. And and I think that, you know, he's someone that's got a proven track record where he brings instant credibility. Like, he's turned every quarterback he's worked with and made him something pretty special. And so I think that he's going to be really good for the Chargers. So, yeah, I think Bosa's right. That Harbaugh was a home run higher for, for them, and I think they're going to be the team that's next in line. If they're going to maybe be someone to contend with the Chiefs, it's it's the Chargers because simply of Harbaugh's arrival. I hate to say it as a Broncos fan, but I love the hire for the yeah. Chargers. I think they were one great head coach away from really taking it to the next level. I think Justin Herbert is elite. I think if they can keep Eckler or they can find a, a similar running back, maybe they sign Barkley. And they've got guys that, I mean, Keenan Allen is one of the best. So that team's loaded with talent. They just need the coaching. And normally I would pay, like, you know what, a college coach going to the NFL? Come on now. But Jim Harbaugh's already proven. Oh, yeah. He's been to a Super Bowl in the NFL. He's won in the NFL at a high level. I think it's going to be a success. Well, and all those just close calls. Like the, You think about close games and falling on the losing side of them. It's the Chargers the last five years. I mean, a couple years ago when they're facing the Raiders and everyone was hoping for that tie game in Week 18. You know, they, they always just come up short. That's just what they do. And I think Harbaugh is good enough for, you know, three points in a given game where he can be the difference in winning these close calls that the Chargers have been linked to so many times. And I just think he'll be outstanding for them. It's it, You're right. It's a home run higher, and it's bad for, for our teams in the AFC yeah. West because just another hurdle to face in, in already a loaded division. Well, that is the NFL Blitz. We've got to take a short break here on JJ and Alex. Coming up next, one of the best sports comedy things I've seen in quite some time. It's in our best and worst. It's coming up next. JJ and Alex, 97.5, the KSL Sports Zone. <laughs> Wrapping up the hour with our picks for the best and worst moments on today's show. As JJ and Alex want to hear your best and worst of the day. Time for best and worst. JJ and Alex, Jeremiah Jensen, Mitch Harper in for Alex Curie today. We've had a f- lot of fun today. We're going to have some fun right now. You know, sometimes, Mitch, it's always fun when sports and other things intersect. And when sports and comedy intersect, it can be great. <laughs> and it it often is on Saturday Night Live. You know, obviously, that's a place where they have some hits and misses. But there's been some great hits over the years when it comes to sports. Remember the Peyton Manning sketch oh, when yes. he was playing uh, <laughs> flag football with the kids? And you know, there's been some great sports moments on SNL. I feel like there was one this week. Shane Gillis, who's one of the top stand-ups in the game right now, he hosted SNL this weekend, and they put together a great sketch mocking the betting sites, <laughs> right? I'm not going to mention any yeah. names. They don't pay us any money. <laughs> yeah. You watched them during the games. You all know what they are, and they have that little warning there that says, if you have a gambling problem, so, so, so. Well, they took aim at that, and here is that SNL skit this weekend. It is our best. It is Rock Bottom Kings. We all know a friend who struggles with online gambling. A friend who's on the verge of losing everything. His house, his family, his entire life. And now you can bet on exactly how he'll lose it all with Rock Bottom Kings. It's the only app that lets you take prop bets about how your degenerate gambler friend is finally going to hit rock bottom. Will it be goes double or nothing on a random WNBA game? Or bets his child's college fund on the coin toss? 
And when your friend is desperate for cash, you can bet on what his lowest moments will be. Will he take out a life insurance policy on his own mother? Will he set up a fake GoFundMe that says he has leukemia? And what will he sell first? His PS5 or his kidney? And you can build a parlay about everything that could happen to him. Divorce, Mary's rich old widow, arrested for elder fraud, and fakes his own death, but is immediately caught when he uses an app to gamble. With Rock Bottom Kings, you'll feel like you're in the game. The game of your friend versus his horrible demons. But again, addiction is a real problem. And we take it very seriously. That's why all these gambling ads are full of cash, gold, fireworks, and flames exploding everywhere. Because you're not a loser. Your friend is. They say the house always wins. Well, now you're the house, and your friend is probably going to lose his. Does it seem a little cruel to bet on your friend's devastating addiction? Sure, but it's also hilarious. So however your friend bottoms out, make sure you cash out at Rock Bottom Kings. Download Rock Bottom Kings today, because gambling is serious. Seriously awesome. Rock Bottom Kings. He's the one with the problem. <laughs> I think rock bottom is when you fake your own death, but you get caught because you were you were using a gambling app after your supposed death. That was my favorite one. Oh, so many great lines in there. Uh, Mitch, we could have done this on Would You Rather. Would you rather give up your PS5 or your kidney? <laughs> I'm giving up the kidney <laughs> because College Sports 25 is coming out. I, I got to have that PS5, baby. You're not missing that. There's no chance. <laughs> the content that's coming from them, the doldrums of summer. Thank you. Oh, no. I need that PS5, baby. How else are you going to get ready for the 2024 college football season? No way you're giving up that PS5. Not a chance. Well, hopefully you don't have to marry a widow, to uh, a rich widow, <laughs> to support your gambling is, is some of that rock bottom stuff yeah. i bet it's actually happened oh I'm you know sure it has some of that has truly <laughs> happened out there and there's been some rock bottom moments oh take another life insurance policy <laughs> on your mom to pay for your Ooh, gambling debts geez. okay uh that was the best <laughs> that let's, was funny let's talk about the worst mitch um i wouldn't do any of those things uh but this up man this is terrible like, what are we doing here? He throws a kid out of a game for a bat toss <laughs> on a game-time Grand Slam? Yeah, I saw this, and maybe I need to just hit up our fine folks, at our friends at Big League Utah, to understand what's the what's <laughs> the wrong thing about the bat toss? Why is that so sacrilegious in baseball that that's not allowed? Like, I, I don't get it. Like, why why can't someone have a little bit of personality with that bat toss? Why, why this ump? Getting a little bit too old school and throwing out kids. Come on, just have some fun. Let them enjoy it. Like, baseball is being hit for being boring and <laughs> traditional. Like, this new generation doesn't get baseball, and all of us old folks can complain about that. Like, shut up. Like, you do know, stop. But the fact is, the game needs young people to fall yes. in love with it. And if some of this stuff is what keeps their interest in it, you have to embrace it. You may not like that. Like, but you know what? If the young people like it, they like the swag, they like the drip, they like the bat tossing, you know what? Just let it go. Ride with it because we need a new generation of baseball players. Otherwise, this game is going to die on the vine. If we need a, you know, someone to be in the box and, and do a TikTok, TikTok dance, let him do it. <laughs> Nobody loves you like I do. Oh, no. <laughs> Okay, let's. That's probably going a little too far. We're not going to stop the game. It's the hype house here at the. We're not going to stop the game. Oh yeah, Utah in the power district. (laughs) 
We got the power. <laughs> Making TikToks. Let's not do that. Yeah, let's. I'm sorry. We gotta I, I draw the line far. somewhere. Okay, eject you, me from that now. Gosh, you are. Throw me out. You are You're out. out of here. You are out of here, Mitch. You are done today. <laughs> You're not coming back tomorrow because you're going to be in Kansas tomorrow. <laughs> yes, I am. Which is crazy. Have fun at uh, Kansas. Thank you. That's going to be awesome. Yeah, let's let's not cross the line here. Let's not do TikToks <laughs> during a game, or let's stick with the bat flips and stuff like that. Let's not do the the crazy Fair TikTok enough. stuff. Keep it in the dugout at least, right? Okay. All right, Mitch, that was fun. Have fun in Kansas uh, tomorrow. Well, what a great do. opportunity. You. Very cool. You're going to go to one of the most storied uh, college basketball venues in the country what a great experience and i just can't it's just so cool whether you're a byu fan or not to look at that program and see that they're in this position now where they get to play in places like kansas in league it's just awesome yeah to be in a league with bill self and he's talking about you know byu and think that this is a league game this is no longer Firestone Fieldhouse. This is <laughs> Allen Fieldhouse. And You're not playing in high school gyms anymore. <laughs> BYU's been dreaming of this moment, and let's see how they fare. I mean, it'll be it'll be interesting to see how they perform in that game, but nonetheless, I mean, it should be just pretty cool to see you know that brand of Kansas going up against BYU, and it's going to be an annual thing. That's that's pretty neat for BYU. Yeah. BYU, you're not in Malibu anymore, Toto. <laughs> there you go. All right, we got to take a break. More on JJ and Alex coming up. Ninety-seven-five, the KSL Sports Zone.